0: Tell somebody next to you, uh, it's good to be in church this morning. Now, did they smile or did they frown? If they frown, then you get to pray for them after the service. Now, why did you frown when I said that? So good to be with you this morning. I'm especially glad uh, that you're here if it's your first time or if you've been checking out our church for the last few weeks. I pray that. You've been experiencing the presence of God. Um, that you've been experiencing life in community. We uh, we have a vision statement here at Antioch Waltham that we want to be revived in God when we come together. Uh, when we're in the presence of the Lord, we want to experience His revival, and that we want to be refreshed in community. That part of our life's joy is being able to worship together. So even this morning when we were. Uh, praying and worshiping over the service and over the details of today. Um, we prayed, God, uh, anybody in the in the vicinity of this church that needs a touch from God this morning, that needs to experience life and love through community, Lord, would you send them our way? Uh, would you send them to this building? Not that this building has some special anointing. It's just a place on a Sunday morning where some of God's people come together and worship Him. And so we're glad that you're here with us this morning. Uh, thanks for... Playing a role or being a part of worshiping the living God. Wasn't it great to hear from Tim and Sarah Yoon last week? That was fantastic. For those of you who are here, it was such a delight just to hear their story. And Tim, Sarah, I can tell you that there's been multiple people that I've talked to this week who said, man, it was just good to hear uh, different parts of, of a couple's story about coming to know the Lord and experiencing the presence of God in their life. And so we loved hearing from you, and, I, and I, I think that we were all really encouraged. And one of the things that they started off with in their testimony and ended with their testimony was that God, there was a, a, a dream or a word that God had put in their hearts that in that service, that God wanted to deliver some letters. Do you remember that? For those of you who are here, that each person had an address, God had an address for each person, and that he was speaking to us. And I think that that's not just a word for last Sunday, but that's for every Sunday, right? That's actually every day that we wake up. God has your address. And so if you came this morning, you weren't sure what was going to happen, I can tell you one thing, God has, your, God has your address. And he's still really interested in communicating to you. And so would you, would you pray with me as we enter into the time of talking about the Word of God and what he has for us that we'd open up our hearts? Father, uh, we, we don't want to be spectators right now. Lord, I don't want to be a performer right now. We as a congregation want to listen for you. We want to open up our hearts, our minds, our our ears, our eyes. We want to we want to experience you in every way that you want to communicate to us. And in that place of being in your presence and listening to you, um we, we believe that we are changed. Sometimes it's really little things, sometimes it's major things, but we never leave your presence in the same way that we enter it. And so we, are, we anticipate that, we, we collectively pray, have your will, have your way, fulfill your will in our lives this morning, in Jesus' name. Well, you looked at a card when you came in, and it, it's actually a, a card, everybody pick up that card and look at it. This is our uh, is is the name of our series this month. It's also uh, the theme. It's the theme of our series. It's going to be the theme of our Christmas Eve service that John just talked about. That we'll have two specific services, one hour services on December twenty fourth, because Christmas Eve is on a Sunday, and we'll be doing that along with Antioch Brighton. We'll come together for those two services. But our theme is: Do not be afraid, or don't be afraid. And this declaration is is said often um, in the midst of the Christmas story, both in Luke 1 and 2 and Matthew 1. You, you see this phrase being used by angels as they come and declare something to the recipient of their instructions or their, their words. And so we, we, we are focusing on this, this theme as we approach the Scripture this Advent season and listen to what the angels said to Mary. What did the angels say to Joseph? What did the angels say to Zechariah and to the shepherds that were out in the fields? And what are the, what are the implications of not only their message to them, but to us today as we're as we're living in the presence of God? So it should be a a great series. I pray that you will come back each week, listening and and ex- expecting that what God's going to say something to you. So don't be afraid, fear, um, fear. Uh, is a constant uh, companion, or at least a constant neighbor of our lives at all times. It just lives either right here or out there, waiting to pounce on us. Um, Depending on our circumstances or situations, we can be tempted, we can be assaulted uh, with the possibilities of fear. It comes in various forms. Uh, It comes with uh, in, in regards to your own personality or situations, but we all understand it. I can tell you right now, uh, I can tell you uh, a present fear story that just happened last night in my life, and just to give you an illustration that your pastor has to wrestle with fear. I had a, uh, and uh, for those of you who get older in life, this happens more often, um, but I had a, a medical scare yesterday. There was something that was going on in my, uh, in my body that as I was processing with Laura, I was like, oh no, what could that be? Anybody ever experienced it? Don't raise your hand. But, but it's like, oh no, what could that be? And you know, we have at least a hundred sources online that we can go to that can tell us what that can be. And they're always so encouraging and life-giving. They always let us off the hook. Oh, that's no big deal. It's just cancer. You're just going to die today. Go to the hospital quickly. You know that's what you feel, or in, at least I've experienced it numerous times in my life up to this point. So that was not my reaction last night. My reaction was much more subdued, but nonetheless, as I'm going to sleep, what's the last thought that hits me before I try to drift off into sleep? What if, Sean? And then all of a sudden I'm wide awake, and I'm lying there. What if? What if? What if this? What if that? What if this? What if that? What if that? Finally, I said, Lord, will you pray for me? Uh, she knew what I was thinking about. Would you just pray that I can get some rest? Tonight? She prayed over me straight to sleep. Then I went to my dreams. <laughs> Amen, not yet. <laughs> then, then in my dreams, they came back. You know, I dreamt about it. You know, it was like it was bigger than life. And then I woke up earlier than I expected with those thoughts in my brain. And I had to pray again. And I, I, I got free of, free of it again, but it's assaulting. And that's just one issue. And, 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 I, and I imagine that as I share, share that story that I'm probably sparking different scenarios in your own life where it's very easy for us to be afraid. As a matter of fact, I was even watching with um, Isaac, you know, in the Christmas season, we get to watch all of the fun Christmas shows and specials and movies, and um, a lot of them are the the blasts from the past, especially for Dad, who's been old uh, around a while, and one of them is Charlie Brown's Christmas. Anybody ever watch Charlie Brown Christmas? You know, Melancholy Christmas? Whoa, it's so, like, uh, Deep. Um, But we're going to actually watch a little clip, just in case you haven't had a chance to watch the special yet. I'm just going to give you a little sneak peek. And we're going to watch what Lucy has to say to Charlie Brown about fear. Not too far gone. I think we better pinpoint your fears. If we can find out what you're afraid of, we can label it. Are you afraid of responsibility? If you are, then you have geophobia. I don't think that's quite it. How about cats? If you're afraid of cats, you have aneurophasia. Well, sort of, but I'm not sure. Are you afraid of staircases? If you are, then you have climacophobia. Maybe you have thalassophobia. This is fear of the ocean. Or, cheferobia, which is the fear of crossing bridges. Or maybe you have pantophobia. Do you think you have pantophobia? What's pantophobia? The fear of everything. That's it! That's it! She nailed it! I have whatever that is. At any given moment, I could be afraid of anything. And so could you, right? Maybe. Maybe not not all of us, but some of us could be. The fear of everything. She rolls backwards. I love that scene. Interestingly and thankfully, the prevalence of fear is not unknown in the Bible. God addresses it very clearly and with with great encouragement. And actually, one of the most often repeated commands from angels and of God to us is don't be afraid. Isn't it awesome that we have a God that understands our fears, all of our phobias as Lucy was starting to identify them? He He understands all of those things, and he can say with confidence to each one of us, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. So before we even go any further, I want to just speak that from God. Whatever you're going through, and I'm looking at different ones of you in, in this room that I know some of your stories, and some of your stories right now can produce some fear if you allow it. And God's saying, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. We're going to journey into this place over the next four weeks, we're going to wrestle with issues of, is God near us in our time of trouble? Is God really true or trustworthy when He speaks things into our life, when He gives us direction? Is He really um, concerned about the needs in our life, the really practical things that bring anxiety, that bring concern? Is He um, approachable, and is he loving in regards to our sin, in regards to our brokenness, and do we have to be afraid of him because of who we're not, or who we want to be? Does he really have joy for us? Does he really have a hope in a future? Is our future filled with life, or is it filled with dread? All of these things and many more we're going to talk about. He's not, He's not distant, but he's near. He's near to His creation. He's near to the ones He loves. He's near to you. And He talks in His Word about drawing close to us, about abiding with us. He mentions and he, he mentions that He speaks to us. He speaks to us through His Word. He speaks to us through prophetic words, through people, and through His Holy Spirit as we pray. He's constantly communicating to us uh, with loud voices and with small, still voices. And he longs to break into our worlds where we are weak and afraid and bring peace, joy, and hope. And we often don't really know what to think about God. We, we don't know what he's like. Is he intimidating? Is he scolding? Is he good? Is he, is he a, a loving God? Does he bear bad news or good news? Does he bring gifts to encourage us. And the answer to those affirmative things is yes, yes, yes. He's good, he brings good gifts, and he loves you, and he says, don't be afraid. Trust me. I'm good. I care for you. I want to enter enter your place of fear, and I want to bring you hope. So I gave my fears over to the Lord last night like I did do a thousand times through a prayer And he reminded me, just as he will remind us always, I'm with you. Don't worry about it. I didn't have to have the details in that prayer. And this is really important. I didn't need to know all of the answers right then. I didn't need him to say, okay, God, figure it out for me right now. I just needed to know who he was. And if he is good, and if he is trustworthy, and he's on my side, then who can be against me, right? That's what Romans 8 says. If God is for us, who can be against us? And we can trust him. We can trust him in our life. So let's start this morning and look at the, the not the first indica- uh, the first uh, illustration of uh, in this, this Christmas story of an angel speaking a word uh, to one of his servants and then saying, don't be afraid, but we're going to look at the most important one, I believe, and that's the one where the angel comes and speaks to Mary, the mother of Jesus. So let's look at the the story of Mary this morning. You can look with me in Luke 1, Luke chapter 1, if you brought your Bibles, you brought your your phones, your laptops, whatever you're looking at, and we'll put it up on the screen as well, but I love it that you, I love to hear the pages rustling or your phones turning on to look at the Scripture with us. So Luke chapter 1, starting with verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord... Is with you. Now, we'll pause there for a second. Uh, we, have to, we have to, in reading, in reading the text and reading scripture, we need to put ourselves uh, into the context of what's going on and try to understand the story as if it were happening for the first time. And with the Christmas story, it's really hard for us to do this because we've been living out, whether we've been in church or not, we've been hearing the Christmas story since we were born. And it's been interpreted for us through songs, through Charlie Brown specials, uh, through whatever. We've been learning this story. And so it automatically, we, we, we approach this passage of Scripture with, oh yeah, that's Mary. I know Mary. She's the mother of Jesus. But what I want you to do is step back as if you hadn't ever heard the story before and understand that this Mary was not the Mary that you have come to revere and uh, Honor as one of the greatest women ever to live. But this was just a regular teenage girl that nobody knew from an obscure village in the middle of Israel, a shepherd's town. She's just a girl that in her own dreams and in her own understandings of life is just going about life. She's going to get married soon, so she's got some plans and some dreams she's thinking about. But other than that, she's just married. Mary the Zit-Faced Teenager. If I offended anybody in the room, she really was human. She was just like any, we don't know her exact age at the time, but any teenage girl that was living at that time with responsibilities at home, with cares and concerns in her heart, going about her business, living her life, and then all of a sudden, an angel appears to her. Okay, now you understand, (laughs) I think, or now we can maybe jump into the text and go, what in the world was she thinking? What happened to her when all of a sudden, in the middle of her ordinary life, the room lit up, and an angel of God is standing before her and says, Blessed are you, or favor upon you, Mary. God is with you. Her mind just scrambled. I I have teenagers. When, when crazy wild things happen, A and B do not connect. Her mind just went, you know, she just she flipped out. What's going on? This is overwhelming. And the angel said to her you're blessed the Lord is with you now before we move on to the, her experience or her her response that term blessed in 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 the, the pastor scripture or highly favored as is as is as it is interpreted is is a is a, a denotation that something uh, very very spectacular was happening in her life you are you are highly favored by God, and you're, you've been chosen to bear a son, and not just any son, but the Savior of the whole world. Look at Isaiah 7, verse 14, and the prophetic word about this time that was taking place present in her life. Then Isaiah said, "'Here now, you house of David,' Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and, 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 and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And I just want to pause here. The reason I'm, I'm, I'm describing Mary to you because sometimes we can start reading this story and it is way out there. Yes, there is something unbelievably amazing happening to Mary that will happen to no other woman in all of history. She becomes the mother of the Savior of all mankind. But Mary is just a girl, like any girl in this room. And she's just a teenager like every one of us have been, or maybe some of us are going to be. I don't know if we have anybody that's younger than teenager in here. But she's a normal human being, and so I want to pause and say, what is it like when you and I encounter the unexpected presence of God? I've never experienced an angel, so we're not going to put it on those terms, but I think it would be wrong for us not to jump into this story and not wonder, God, what, is, what was it like for Mary, and what has it been like for me when you've intersected my life, and I've known that it's you it's broken into my world to speak or to reveal yourself to me. So you, I'm going to pause here for a second and let you grab a hold of that. When did, when's a when's a time when that's happened to you? It might be happening to you right now if you're open. God might be knocking and breaking into your world right now. Can I tell you a story as you're thinking about that? I was in Texas a couple of weeks ago, and I was uh, had just spent a time. It was a refreshing time. I I, I, I thought about. This week I didn't share with you where I was a couple of weeks ago but I was with seven or eight other pastors from seven other pastors from our movement from around the country and actually a couple from England that we we hung out together for a few days and shared life together. We told our stories, we prayed for one another, we encouraged one another. We're all lead pastors of churches. It was a really refreshing time. After that, after that exper- that, that week I rode back to the airport with one of our pastors from England. His name's Todd. And as we were driving back, I realized that the best ice cream in the country, I was driving by their plant. It's called Blue Bell Ice Cream. For any of you who have never had Bluebell Ice Cream, I'm really sorry, but it's really, really good. And I love their uh, vanilla ice cream, homemade vanilla ice cream. And so I said, let's go to the plant. It's just a couple of miles off, the, off of our path. And so we drove over there. I went into Blue Bell. I was just in heaven. I ordered ice cream. I ordered more ice cream than I should have ordered we're sitting down. I walked through the, we took a, took a tour through the plant and heard how it was made and how it was distributed, and we found out, and I'm sharing this with Todd over our scoop of ice cream in the little restaurant or the, the area where you get your ice cream. I said, you know, that was very interesting. I found out that, um. just a second, I found out, well, that's really good, just a second, found out, I couldn't stop eating my ice cream, and he couldn't talk. I found out that when they distribute the ice cream, that it's only distributed to the to the grocery stores by the actual Blue Bell distributor, and he places it by hand in the place that it's going to be sold. It never touches any other hands, no grocery store workers or whatever, but Blue Bell ice cream people. I thought well, that's very interesting. I have no idea why they do that, but that's a really cool fact. And as I'm saying those words, the person next to me in a British accent says, "What did you say?" And she interrupts our conversation. And we end up getting into a conversation with her. And the, and the unique connection was that the pastor that I was with was from an area of England that is just a few miles from where she was living. So here she was, a travel agent from England, traveling in the middle of Texas, sitting down eating bluebell ice cream in a small country town in Texas. And she sits by two pastors. She overhears what we're saying. And she asks us a question, of which we answer a question, get in a conversation. She doesn't realize she's about to connect. With God. So after five, five or ten minutes of talking, Todd says, "You know, Jen, I just want you to know, um, you know, it, isn't it interesting that we, we live so close together and yet we've met so far so far away from where we live?" And he says, "I don't think that's a coincidence." And uh, we believe in Jesus, and he, he shares a little bit about Jesus, and he says, "And I believe God brought you here because He loves you." And, he, wanted, and he, wants to, he wants to minister to you. How can we pray for you? And as he says, how can we pray for you? She starts crying. She is so emotional that she turns away, turns away from us, grabs napkins from the table and starts, starts wiping the tears away from her eyes because she, she feels so embarrassed that she broke down in front of two strangers. And after she composed herself, we, were pa- we waited patiently. We were, so, we were praying. We were so thankful that God was touching her heart. She said, you know, I needed to hear that. Because right before I left, I was, su- I was supposed to go on this trip with my boyfriend. And right before I left, he broke up with me. And I, I'm at the end of myself. Basically, she said, I've just been driving across the United States sad because my life is devastating. I think that's God, and so we talked to her, and we prayed with her, and uh, real short prayer, trying to discern God, what, how far do you want us to go into it, we, uh, we, we leave her at the table, I, I I go off, and then I realize, you know what, I really think I need to talk to her again, and so I approach her again, and I just share, share with her, hey, you know, I just want you to know, we don't want to be pushy, but this is really a God moment, and if you want to talk more, um, or if there's anything that you need to know about Jesus, I'd love to talk with you. and She says, you know, I don't need that right now, but I want you to know I have a good friend who knows Jesus. And she says, I'm going to call her right after we leave. I'm going to talk to her about what's going on in my life. She's not a believer. She had, I don't think that in Bluebell, she experienced, you know, like the lights didn't grow dark, and bright lights blew out of Todd and I. Oh! Jan, you are highly favored and God is with you. <laughs> yeah. I don't think she was experiencing that. I'm no angel. I promise you, my family can attest to that. I am no angel. But I do live with the living God. And the living God in me and Todd had an assignment for a young lady from England that he knew had just broke up with her live-in boyfriend that she dearly loved and that her life was distraught. And he said, you know what? I'm going to put a hankering for Bluebell in Sean's belly right now. That's the only way I would have met her. And I'm going to send her two angels to express to her that she doesn't need to be afraid about her future. But that he is near. And that he has a plan of hope for her life. Mary, this teenager, was just living, doing life, And the angel of the Lord approached her and said, you are favored, Mary. God is near you. And it says in verse 29, this was her response. It says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Code, afraid, bewildered, overwhelmed. Oh no, what is about to happen? Am I in trouble? Maybe she didn't hear highly favored in the first part or that I am with you, that part of it. But in her mind, she's going, what's going on? Or maybe she heard it exactly the opposite. I'm with you, which means, oh oh no, God knows who I really am. He knows my life. I don't know if I want God with me. Who knows what was going on in her mind, but something was going on enough for her to be troubled, even though he had already affirmed the goodness of his presence and the goodness from the Lord. How often does that happen with us that when God's saying blessing, we're hearing curse? When God is saying favor, we're hearing rejection. When God is saying it's going to be okay, we're saying I'm not so sure. Maybe when we sin, He says, as He says in 1 John, if you'll confess your sin, I'm faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. I want to make you clean. I'll forgive you. It's okay. We hear... Man, did you sin again? Okay, I'll forgive you, but don't do it again. But I'm always going to remember it, what you just did. And I'm going to hold on to it next time. Not so good for you. We hear, we hear not what God's saying. We hear what our fears drive us to hear. Or maybe it's on the opposite side. Maybe we have a dream in our hearts. We have something that's, that's bubbling up in us that we're excited about, that we feel like it's from God or, and that we feel like God's going to bless. And he says, yes! Delight yourself in the Lord and I will give you the desires of your heart. This is the confession of the Lord and we hear, if you really, really are good and do everything right, I might bless you. But if you screw up, no way. No way. And by the way, do you really believe that dream came from me? That is probably just something you made up. We don't hear what God is actually saying all the time. Even Mary didn't hear it, and her spirit was troubled. She didn't hear that the promise before her was not to be afraid. That she had favor. So remember this, no matter what God says, what you think God says, when God speaks, it's always good. It's always for your blessing. The words of God in the Scripture are for your blessing. Whether they are encouraging or challenging, they're always for your blessing. Even when God communicates to you that the wages of our sin are death. Even when He says, hey, that's going to destroy your life. That's not a bad message. Because He's not telling you to condemn you. He's telling us so that we can be free. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. When God speaks, it's always good and we can believe His words are true. What did God's favor bestow upon her? Look at verse 31. You will conceive and give birth to a son in You are to call Him Jesus. He will be great and He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give Him the throne of His father David and He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. You're favored and you're going to bear Jesus, the Savior. The Savior of the world. Wow! And so she asked an odd question out of confusion and emotion. She said, well, how can this be since I'm, a vir- since I'm a virgin? It could have been that he was just saying that when you get pregnant, after you get married and are consummate your marriage with Joseph, this is what's, is what's going to happen. But for some reason, she realized that's not what the angel was saying. But I'm a virgin. How can that be? Is this going to happen now? What's going on? She needed clarity. She needed an explanation. How many times when God speaks to us do we find ourselves saying, okay, yeah, but tell me how it is. Give me all the details. Okay, you say this is going to happen, but I need boom, 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 boom in order for me to be at peace, in order for me not to be troubled. And it's not necessarily bad for us to ask for clarity, and it's not wrong. I don't think that her spirit was wrong. But how can this be? What are you saying, God? How is this going to work? In God's clarity, His response in verse 35 was this. So God was patient through through the angel. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit, Mary, will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now this term overshadow is not a sexual term. It's not... Uh, what the angel is not saying is that god 's going to um, sexually uh, uh, relate to mary it 's god 's presence uh coming uh, upon or over Mary and, and similar to the way that the the presence of God rested over the temple in the Old Testament. The presence of God was going to be upon Mary and the divine God would place within within mary 's womb um, jesus the the, the conception of Jesus, and she, the human, would uh, would be the one who birthed Jesus. So the divine and the human coming together. This is this is the miracle of Jesus. This is why, as we as we speak of Jesus as a man, that he is he is fully human. He's born of a a mother's womb. He's born of a human womb, but he's also fully God. That he is not created or begotten by Joseph. But he's begotten or placed into Mary by God Himself. This Jesus who was, John 1, 1 says, who was from the beginning, who was uh was with God and who was God. This is this Jesus that we're talking about that is in Mary. And he's holy, set apart, separated from God, morally upright, divine, simply put, God in man in him. In in the form of Jesus, in this baby, and so verse thirty six. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was able to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. For no word from God will ever fail. I know this is crazy. This is the translation. I know this is crazy, Mary, but God is in this with you. He is compassionate, and He is a miraculous God, and your child will be a miracle. This is of God. And by the way, just to let you know that there's something unbelievably going on, unbelievable going on, your older relative uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah, who should not be having children, are going to have a son as well. And that's going to be a miracle. In their old age, they will give birth to a son and that will be John the Baptist. There's something awesome going on in this time and in this season. And Mary, you are the one that God has favored to hold in birth and raise this son. I'm making it clear to you that this is God. God is making it clear that this is God. It reminds me of the the, 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 the the passage of Scripture where the rich young man says, uh, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus says, uh, or the, those around said, then who then can be saved after he walked away? And Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Luke verse 18. What is, what is impossible for us is possible for God. The the main theme or the, the, the main impossible story is that God takes people just like you and me. Sinners broken with stories of, of, uh, of offense to our Heavenly Father with stories of, of deceit and failure in our lives. These frail human beings that we are. And each one of us has a story. And He says... I can take your life, this as Paul describes it, a fragile jar of clay, and I can put my spirit in your life and transform you into a vessel worthy of honor. Each and every one of us. I can take your life and I can make it special. I want to honor Mary this morning, but I don't want to over-honor her because she was just a human like you and me. And I want to elevate you in this room and say, God is wanting to fill your life with the living God. Isn't that kind of what happens at salvation? Are we catching the comparison of the story that God put Jesus into Mary and Jesus was born and... Um, out of her womb was the Savior of all mankind and, and He changed the world through His life that was perfectly lived in His death uh, of atonement, of, of sacrifice for you and me that while we were dead in our trespasses, God died for us, Jesus died for us. Isn't that same life that Jesus lived in Mary and lived under, uh, lived outside of Mary on this earth, isn't that the same Jesus that we can put our trust in? That we can put our hope in, and that if we believe in Jesus, if we believe in our hearts that Jesus is God, and confess with—I mean, believe that He was raised from the dead, and confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, we shall be saved. And then, when we give our hearts to Jesus, what does the Scripture say? It says that Jesus comes to live in us. Galatians two twenty says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Christ who lives in me. now. So we have Jesus living in us. Do we believe that that impossible life can be made possible in us? So as I close, and I have, I'll ask the band to come on up. We end this 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 space, and uh, I'm going to skip past the little story about Elizabeth. But she, after this is told to her, she goes to Elizabeth's house and finds that it's true that she is pregnant. And as she, they come into contact with one another, the the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy in the presence of the Messiah. The the baby in Mary's womb, which is a pretty awesome story. Um, Specifically in regards to that there is life in us before birth. That baby John leapt in the presence of baby Jesus. But after that, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit she prophesies over Mary. And she prophesies the favor of God over Mary. And part of what she says, blessed are you because you believed when God spoke. What does Mary do? In all of this, from fear to bewilderment, to to confusion, to clarity, she says, God, I believe that you can do something impossible through me. And look at Mary's song. Can you put up the, uh, the, the song of Mary? And this is what she writes to the Lord. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of the servant. And she's singing. This is like a song. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped His servant Israel remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever just as He promised our ancestors. This is the song of Mary singing. She has believed. So my last question to you is this. What are the words of God in your life? Where has God intersected your life in the past or even now recently where He's spoken and he said do you believe do you believe that i can accomplish what i've put in your heart to believe do you believe the words of god in scripture as you read them do, they, do you believe that they are coming to life in you and are you like mary are we like mary do we do we even in even in our bewilderment at first even in our fear at first do we accept the comfort of God? Do we accept the peace that God offers? And do we say, God, if you've said it, I believe. So would you pray with me? Lord, you have spoken some words to us, starting with our own salvation, what was impossible for us to do in our own life, you've done in us. You've, you've allowed us to be born again. You live in us, Jesus. By your Spirit, you reside in our lives and hearts. That's a miracle in and of itself. Lord, we want to embrace you and live differently because of you. Jesus, we also ask for you to remind us right now, what what are some things that you're speaking to us right now that you want us to believe and not fear? Where have you encouraged us or been clear with us that we need to receive as favor from you, that we need to receive as you being near us and walking it through with us, where we don't need to be afraid as Mary first was, but we need to receive your encouragement in hope that what you have said will come to pass. Will you stir us with faith to believe possible in our lives right now would you stand with me